the Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and this week is graduation week throughout the Tampa Bay area. And so in honor of that, we are talking to a student and not just any student. We are talking to Catherine Matheny, the Newsom High School valedictorian. Catherine holds the distinction, as far as anybody can tell, of having the highest grade point average in the history of Hillsborough County Schools. If it's not the highest ever, it's very darn close. We used to talk about students who had surpassed 8.0 as being amazing, and it wasn't that long ago. Catherine had a 10.58. What's really surprising about that is the salutatorian at the school, Natasha Tracy, had a 10.13, which in any other year, any other time would have been just like out of this world, but it comes in as a second And there was actually a third student over 10.0 in Hillsborough County, Middleton High School's Jirish Hari with a 10.08. We were wondering how difficult it is to get to such a high grade point average and what it means in terms of competition and life in general. So we were really happy when Catherine agreed to come and talk with us. And so we're going to jump right in and hear what she has to say. So, Catherine, I want to thank you for taking some time to talk with me on our podcast this week. It's my absolute pleasure. I want to first congratulate you on being an actual graduate from Newsom High School. It must feel great to have a summer in front of you with not too much to do. It feels incredible. Just nothing to do except for relax and take time for myself. I imagine you haven't had much time to do that just by looking at nothing more than your grade point average, which I have been told is, if not the highest ever in the history of Hillsborough County, one of the top two or four, because the district doesn't keep records of that. But 10.58, that's that's like crazy and high. And I, I guess the first question I have to ask you is, did you mean to do that? Well, I mean, when I was like pretty young, my mother, um, my family has been doing dual enrollment for a long time. We believe it kind of helps to reduce the cost if you exit high school with an AA, so you pocket yourself like $40,000, so why not do it? So when I was in uh, eighth grade, the summer of mother dual enrolled me with my brother into like a public speaking class. So by the time I entered high school, I actually already entered with a GPA higher than my peers. So I kind of figured I got to keep that train rolling. And it kind of just snowballed into what it is today. But how do you get from an eighth grade into ninth grade public speaking class into something that is just like really high? I mean, higher than anybody ever. Your your um, salutatorian in your class also was over 10.0, I noticed. Did you have a friendly competition with her too? I think that's a good way to put it. Um it was all really about competition, you know, when you have someone there that's pushing you higher and higher and you feel driven to try and beat that, it's going to push you to new heights like it did with both. You know, I don't think that 
in past years, Newsom has had such high GPAs, and I think that is a result of um, the competition between any two people not being as really intense and um, driven as it has been between me and the Southern did you take different classes than you might have ordinarily taken because of that? I mean, higher level classes or more classes? I think that I I certainly have always been like in higher level classes just because um, it seems more in-depth and I feel as though I get more out of the class. Um, but I would definitely say I took more. And it, it's interesting. It's driven me into new subjects that I would have never explored um, for example, I took AP Computer Science A, which is a coding class, and I have never done a lick of coding before, and that was a class that really pushed me to my limit. But on the other hand, I discovered um, AP Art History, which I also really enjoyed and found a new appreciation for the artwork and art roles. So did that mean that you changed what you want to study in college as a result of any of that? Um, I think it. I've always really been very indecisive on the major I wanted to do. Like, you can ask any of my friends or parents, and they'll tell you I went through, like, four different schools trying to decide what I wanted to do. And I think that exploring all these different classes and subjects has helped me realize what I want to do versus what I think I want to do. So, for example, by going into higher-level math and um, sciences, I realized maybe I don't want to do that every day of my life. You know, I'll, I'll get the grade, but I wouldn't want to do it for a living. And then being in like higher level English classes like AP Lang and AP Lit has made me realize, you know, I really enjoy analyzing and creating an argument and rhetoric. So that is something I'd want to pursue. So it's really helped me um, diversify my viewpoints and narrow down into a single thing that I want to pursue. And that is what? Well, my end goal is law school. So corporate law is what I want to do. And to get there, I'm going to be uh, having a double major at USF for economics and political science. How did you pick USF? I would think that somebody with your grade point average from a well-known school and a well-known school district would be able to have their pick of scholarships and schools. <laughs> well, scholarships will only do so much. Um, first off, it, I am a National Merit Scholar, which is a huge financial help because it allows me to get a full ride to a certain list of state schools. So that knocks out all private schools automatically and schools that won't accept National Merit. Um, so that kind of narrows down the pool. <laughs> and also, I really didn't want to leave the state because I also qualified for Bright Futures, which of course only applies to Florida residents. So. That knocks out everything else in Florida. So I really wound up with, like, five schools. So from that, um, I was thinking between a couple, but I really decided on USF because I met their political science professor. I really liked him, and um, I didn't want to drive eight hours away, you know. Right. Um, so I wanted to stay centralized, and I realized that since I am going to be going to a graduate school, it at the end of the day, wouldn't quite matter as much what undergrad I decided to go into, like what undergrad school, because when you're applying out of state, they're really going to read the same. So I wanted to do the one that was best for me. It just sounds like you, you did, after you did your research, you, you, you found what was right for you. And a lot of people don't do that. And I guess that comes from having the 
opportunity to know what you're doing by spending so much time in all these classes. <laughs> you, you you know when, when you're wasting time and when you're not. Well, you kind of figure out how to balance um, your interests and your classes pretty quickly when you're thrown into such an environment. Well, let's talk about that because that was going to be my next question anyway, balancing your time because if you're taking all these classes and would I be right in saying that you never made anything but an A? Would that be correct? That is incorrect, actually. And, you know, I think I've gotten I've gotten one B, and it was in a Spanish 2 class for HCC in my sophomore year because I missed a deadline. And it, it taught me a lesson. And after that, I was back on the straight and narrow, convinced I was never going to get a B again. Okay, well, that's good. I'm going to have to remember to tell that to other teenagers who I meet because I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't get that lesson and they keep repeating it over and over again. But uh, <laughs> but the how did you balance and what did you balance with? You, I understand, were the countywide JROTC Cadet of the Year as well, so you were not just a one-trick pony. I was thinking about this a little bit, and I think that what really helps is to find an activity that helps you in multiple areas and doesn't just kind of consolidate into one interest group. So, for example, if you're very heavily focused in academics and you join an extracurricular that's also focused in academics, you're keeping yourself centralized in that area. With JRTC, which is what I joined and I would highly recommend anybody to join it. It's a wonderful organization. Um, It kind of spreads you to many different areas. So it covers athletics, it covers leadership, it covers academics, and because of that, it gives you a lot more opportunities in a lot more different areas. So that way, by joining just one organization, you've been faced with a whole new world of doors that open, like a cadet of the year, um, youth leadership conferences, academic camps, athletic camps, and it's just incredible how much it can do for you. Was that your only activity? No, it wasn't, but I think it's the one that personally um, benefited me on a personal level the most. I also did um, Future Business Leaders of America and a couple honor societies, and I think I'm forgetting something, but, you know, it it was a lot. (laughs) And did you have time to just hang out with your friends, too? Because it seems like, I don't know, to get that high of a GPA, you have to take online courses, dual enrollment, and things in addition to your regular load. Well, there were certainly times and weeks where I would not really have a lot of spare time, but just like regular school, sometimes you come into a flow and you're able to manage your stuff. Like, I would hold myself very accountable. I would say to myself, like, I'm going to do six assignments for this class tonight, and then tomorrow I'm going to do six assignments for another. And if I kept with that schedule, I would be great, and I could find free time. So it kind of allowed me to balance what I needed to get done with what I wanted to do. And it was wonderful. You know, sometimes I would be able to go out with friends. And as long as I did my work, it sort of acted as an incentive at the end of the week. Sounds like when you get to USF, it's going to be a lot easier. I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to be. So if you were going to meet a student who's entering ninth grade this coming year, do you have any sort of advice to them that you would say, here's how you can you know, forge a path and be successful and, I don't know, maybe even beat 10.58? Um, I think I would want them to just understand what they're capable of and always try to beat themselves. Because 
there's nothing better than having a healthy competition with yourself and having an appetite for growth. You know, you should always strive to be better and you can never grow complacent. That's the worst thing that you could ever do. So it sounds like you were self-driven. I'm, I'm wondering, were your parents at all standing over your shoulder and saying anything or was it all just your desire? I mean, I certainly got support from my parents, but I really think it was myself. Like this was my goal that I wanted. And, you know, my parents would like help me, like they would help me um, register classes or drive me somewhere if I needed to. But sometimes they would actually ask me to like not do it because they were concerned. Like when I was, you know, doing all my virtual assignments and my dual enrollment and my system, they would be a little concerned because like I would just be up in my room working for hours at a time. But, you know, I think it, it's been great because it's taught me a work ethic and commitment and dedication to a goal that I set and achieving it's been incredible. So it's, I love it because it's been my goal. That's great. So I guess the message ties into, in addition to having your own self-motivation for parents to be supportive, but not too pushy too. Yeah. You know, there's only so much that somebody will do for another person, unfortunately. So it needs to be their goal. And that reminds me, um, in GRTC, they, I'm reading, um, and presentations that we do and, Sometimes it'll be like leadership books, and I remember they had us read this book called The Founding Fathers on Leadership, and one of the big tenets of that book was ensuring that everybody shares the same vision as you when you're a leader, because people are going to work harder for themselves for something that they believe in, and I think that's a really, really true point, and I think it's applicable here. Did you have somebody who you looked at then as your like leader or your favorite teacher or anything like that? I think that I really, really loved all of my teachers. Um, In particular, the JHC cadre, which includes Lieutenant Colonel Deal, Command Sergeant Major Marrero, and First Sergeant Bertram were all just incredible mentors, um, some of them for four years, and just really encouraged me to be the best I could be. And um, also just all other teachers along the way just ensuring that I understood and I was okay. Um, I was just learning and growing as a person and not just as a brain, you know? <laughs> well, it sounds like you have a terrific future ahead of you. And I just want to congratulate you again on all your successes to this point, And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. It's been my absolute pleasure. That's the end of our conversation and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to comment on what you've just heard, please do so in the comment area on our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, under the post for this podcast. If To keep up on the latest in Florida education breaking news, please go to our blog, thegradebooktampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. Again, we still like to hear from you and what you think about the podcast, ideas for future topics, as well as possible interviews. You can email me at jsolichek at tampabay.com. You can also put in your thoughts under the review areas in places like Apple Podcasts. I'm reporter Jeff Solichek. Thanks again for listening.